Well, today I want to, um, as we begin looking towards a new year and we naturally think about um, the changes that maybe we'd like to make or our uh, designs or our prospects or thinking about truly recognize and embrace what the coming of Christ in the world means for you and me. What it does for us that we have been made God's children. And so hopefully kids that are in the room today, I want this to really be imp- to, to impress it on your hearts for you to remember, but for all of us, that what Jesus has done in coming to us is to make us his children. And so I want to read our passage in its entirety here uh, at the beginning, and then we'll jump in. So if you have a Bible this morning, you can turn to Galatians chapter 4 in the New Testament. We're going to be looking at Galatians 4, 4 through 7, and it'll also be on the screen. But here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, because you are his daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You know, one of the remarkable things about the Christmas story and God's coming to our world in Jesus is that it followed a period in history where God was silent. Uh, The final book of the Old Testament is a book called Malachi, and it's a book of prophecy that most scholars think was written somewhere 400 years, a little bit more than 400 years before the birth of Christ. And in those 400 years, um, we do not have any special words from the Lord or any books or writings in which God is speaking directly to his people. And those 400 years were a very stressful and difficult 400 years for the people of Israel. They were conquered a couple of times by different nations. They had different uprising and wars and leaders that came and went. And so during that time, their future was very uncertain. And at times, they even were thinking, where is God in all of this? What are his plans for us? A time of silence, if you will. Uh, Anybody seen the movie Apollo 13? I know it's been out for a while now, right? That great movie. Um, And if you're not familiar with that story, um, this historical story that on the evening of April 13th when the crew of Apollo 13 was 200,000 miles from Earth and closing in on the moon, the mission controller saw this low-pressure warning in the cockpit this hydrogen tank that was beginning to show a problem. And so alarm lights start lighting up everywhere in the cockpit and in mission control in Houston, and oxygen was getting lower and lower. And so the crew notified mission control with what is now that famous line, right? Houston, we have a problem. And as they began to work towards fixing that and making their way home for re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere, there was going to be this blackout this period of a few minutes where there would be no communication, where there would be silence 
And during that silence, mission control on the ground would keep saying and keep calling out, Apollo 13, this is Houston, do you read me? Apollo 13, this is Houston, do you read me? Del Tackett is a Christian author, and he writes this about that. He says, the Apollo 13 blackout lasted only a few minutes. Imagine 400 years of silence. Then the silence was broken. At the right time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman who fulfilled all of the promises and the prophecies. He writes, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so Christmas is the coming of light into darkness. It is God breaking through. Light coming into darkness. It is God showing up at just the right time. Christmas is God coming to you and to me, to our world. And what it tells us, what Jesus begins to show us is that God's plans for you and for the world happen in his good time. Not only is Christmas God bringing light into the darkness, but it is also his way of showing us that his plans for the world and his plans for you and me happen at just the right time. And I think we can believe this by uh, three things that I want us to see today from this passage in Galatians 4. And the first is this, and it's a very simple thing, but it means so much, that Jesus came at just the right time. He came at just the right time. Look at verse four of Galatians four. It says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Have you ever wondered why then? Why, why is that the time when Jesus came? Why not now? Why not way before? Why not a little after? Why then what about that time or what about that place made it the right time and the right place for Jesus to be born? Well, there's a lot of reasons that we could kind of try to answer that question with. Israel was one of the crossroads of the world at that time. It was the place where the east met the west. And so when the Romans came, they brought all of their roads and their shipping and it became the perfect spot on the globe for the gospel message of Jesus to go out into the world. That's a lot of good reasons. But right here, the Apostle Paul gives us this very clear and simple reason. But when the set time had come, at just the right time, in other words, meaning this is what God had planned, in God's good time, he sent his son. It's such a simple sentence but I think it means so much for us. It means that God had a plan and none of the circumstances of that time period or of what was going on in the world uh, would shake him off of that plan or took him off guard. At the right time, God sent his son. God broke the silence. Light came into the darkness. And I believe 
that the way God comes close to you and to me happens the same way at just the right time. In his good time, according to God's plan, not our plan, he comes close to us in Jesus. That's what Christmas reminds us. Uh, I've told the story of how uh, our daughter Jane was born before. Um, You know, uh, parents, those of you who are parents, um, there's such an anticipation that builds up for the birth of a child. No matter how many children you've had, uh, you wonder when, you wonder how, you wonder what day it's going to be, how long is it going to take. Sometimes there are false alarms, right? And you have to wait a little bit longer. And I won't tell the whole story again, but essentially, for those of you who don't, uh, haven't heard the story, our daughter was born in the middle of the night in our driveway, very unexpectedly. She came early, um, before we could even make it to the car, um, before we could get to the hospital. We found ourselves in the middle of the night delivering her in our driveway. Uh, and my wife and I, just there with our hands around her, this little four-pound baby girl, feeling like it was not the right time and it was not the right place and it was not the right way. And in some ways, I wonder if that's exactly how Mary and Joseph felt. They looked around and they went, this isn't the way that this is supposed to happen. This doesn't feel like the right time or the right place, but this is what God told us. And for us, looking back now, Jane's birth was at just the right time. It was her time, and it was her way. And so we can always ask, well, why this way, God? Why is this thing happening in my life now? Why is it happening this way and at this time? But here in the scriptures, I think we are reminded that if the birth of Jesus into the world, if God coming to us happened at just the right time, then certainly the way that God is showing up in your life or in my life is happening at just the right time, according to his plan. And so we can believe that Jesus came at just the right time. But secondly, we have to ask the question, well, if he came at the right time, then what did he come to do exactly? And this is what Paul goes on to tell us. And it's that Jesus simply came to make us God's children. To make us God's children. Look again at Galatians 4. Paul writes, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. And this is so important. Uh, And I think when we come to see it and embrace it, then Christmas and the gospel message uh, really does take full hold of our lives. Paul is saying, that God himself came to us and made himself like us in Jesus. A human being like us, to live life like us, to make his way through the world like us, and who is subject 
to all of God's laws and expectations. That's what it means when Paul says, born under the law. But we know there's obvious differences between Jesus and us, right? The first difference, the main difference is that unlike us, Jesus uh, was able to keep all of God's laws and all of God's expectations. That every other man, woman, or child throughout the history of the world has not been able to keep. From the very beginning, this is what we've desired, to, to go our own way, to try to define what is right and wrong for ourselves, to make ourselves our own version of God. And what that has done is brought sin into our lives. And that sin has broken the world apart and it's broken our relationships apart. It's broken our hearts apart. And we're told elsewhere in the New Testament that it's actually made us enemies of God. And so because sin exists in our hearts and in the world, God, who is a holy God, can't just let that pass. He has to do something about it. And so the bad news of the gospel is that our sin has to be punished. It has to be punished. It has to be dealt with if we are to have any kind of relationship with God as our Father. But the good news of the gospel, the good news of Christmas, is that God did something about it. God came to us in Jesus, born under the law, all those expectations and all of the law of God, but who perfectly kept the law, who never sinned. And then this baby Jesus, who is born under the law, goes on to live this perfect life, to never sin so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for our sin. Jesus, when he's older, will celebrate as we get closer to the Easter season. When he is older, he allows himself to go to the cross, to be punished in our place, so that now you and I could have a relationship with his father, who is now our father. Our sin is paid for so that we now could have a new relationship with God. That is the good news of Christmas. And what it means is that when, Jesus, when God now looks at you and I, he no longer sees us and our sin, but he sees us as sons and daughters. He sees us like the way he sees Jesus. And all of that happens, Paul says. He redeems us so that we could have his spirit in us that God's spirit, the spirit of his son, would be sent into our hearts, which means this, that not only did Jesus die on the cross for our sins, but he rose from the dead, that he is alive, that his spirit lives in us now to constantly remind us and to show us that we are his children too, that we have been made like Jesus. We are his children. And let me tell you, when you begin to see that and embrace it, it has to make you live differently. It has to. That you are so loved, like how God loves Jesus, you are now loved in that same way. It must lead us to change. It must lead us to new life. Paul says it actually brings us to a place where we can call out to God and call him Abba which is this word that many Jewish children would have used at that time that literally meant daddy, it meant intimate, it meant familiar, it meant 
close, and it was something that not only young children used, but older children used for their father. This is what Jesus called his father. And now we're told that because he's come into the world at just the right time, we now too can call God our father. And so here's what I want you all to hear today, and I really want you kids to hear this this morning. And this is not just for them, it's for the older ones also. That this is about you. It's not just about the person sitting next to you. It is truly about you. That you are God's child. And until you come to embrace that in your life, to wrap your arms all the way around it, it will never truly change you. All of the change that we attempt will fall flat until we embrace that we, that me, that you in your chair where you are, are God's child. I saw an episode of the show, maybe some of you have seen the show, Parenthood. Uh, it was on a couple of years ago. And one of these scenes just floored me. It was the scene where one of the families, Joel and Julia Graham, are in the process of adopting a young boy named Victor. And some of you who are adoption families, you know uh, a bit about how this goes. And after living with the family for a while, Victor uh, starts to open up his heart, but then he suddenly draws back again. Uh, and so he refuses to kind of eat meals with the family. He starts to fight with his future sister. Uh, he begins to kind of act out in different ways. And Julia, who's about to be his mother, is afraid that Victor, this son, this, this adopted son, is, is not going to return her love, right? That she's never going to actually be his mother. And so she begins to wonder, is it worth it? Should we even do this? Should we go forward with the adoption? And at one point she tells her brother Crosby, she said, we've had all this time together and it just doesn't seem like we're progressing. He, he just doesn't like me. And at this point, it's so hard to know if that's ever gonna change. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't be his mom. And later in the show, Julia tells her son, this prospective adoptive son, Victor, she says, we're going to choose a date next week to finalize your adoption. Do you know what that means? Not really, Victor replies. She goes on, that means we're gonna go to court, all of us together, and we're gonna stand in front of a judge and we're gonna promise to take care of you. And we'll probably sign some papers and then we'll be your mom and your dad from now on. Does that sound good to you? And Victor says, sure. Even though it's clear he doesn't really understand what it all means. But then in the next episode, as that story arc continues, Victor finally, Victor finally begins to understand. As he's racing through the house, playing football, he accidentally smashes this very expensive family heirloom vase. And so Julia, the mom, runs into the room, and Victor says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll pay for it. And she says, it's okay. You don't have to pay for it. Let's just go back to the no football in the house rule, Okay. And Victor then asks, so you're not gonna change your mind about adopting me? And she says, no, I'm never gonna change my mind. And unable to wipe the smile off his face, Victor responds, okay. You see, the knowledge of his adoption, of his parents' unconditional love, that that was never going to change, began to change his life. It opened him up. 
And the same is true of you and me, that we have been adopted into God's family. And when you embrace that, when you can put your arms around that, that you are now God's son, you are now God's daughter, everything will change. And the key is this, when we embrace it, we realize that it will never change. That his love for us as his son and daughter will never, ever change. But finally this morning, we've seen that Jesus came at just the right time, that he has come to make us God's children. Not only has he done that, but Jesus came to give us everything. He came to give us everything. And you may say, well, how can it get better than being welcomed into God's family for all of eternity and always knowing and feeling his love? Well, look what Paul says. Look in verse six. He says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also what? An heir. You are an heir as God's child, which means that everything that God has, he's given to you. Everything that God has given to Jesus, he has given to you. He has shared it with you. Probably don't have to tell you who these young boys were. This is Prince William and Prince Harry when they were younger. And when Prince Diana, their mother, died in 1997, she left, of course, the sizable inheritance for her two sons, uh, somewhere kind of in the $20 million range. But the way it was kind of held for them with investments and interest, even though it was growing, they weren't allowed to access it until their 30th birthdays. And so finally, when William turned 30 in 2012, he was able to inherit his portion and then Harry as, as well. This was what had been promised to them. It was in their names. It was set aside for them. It was protected, and it would never, ever change. And as followers of Christ, we have that same kind of inheritance. Based on Jesus' promise, it is ours. It's in your name. It is set aside for you, and here's the thing, at just the right time, we are all going to receive that inheritance in full. And now as we live following Jesus, we get to taste and, and see more and more as we follow him in this life. The great hope of the Christian life is that one day we will be with God, with his family, a part of his family for all eternity. And the great hope is that not only did Jesus come at the right time then, but he is coming at the right time again. According to God's plan, it will be at just the right time he will come again and make this world beautiful again, make all things new. That's the life that Jesus has won for us, that he's won for you. So do you see how valuable you are to God? Kids, I want you to really hear this. Do you know how loved you are by God? It seems so simple to say, but it changes us more than we could ever imagine. And nothing, nothing can ever change that. Nothing that you could do could make him love you any more or any less. And I said that to the kids, but I hope that all the adults 
can hear this also, that nothing that you can do can make God love you any more or any less. This is what's true for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Has everyone seen or read the book? Uh, We'll close with this this morning. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. This is the original book cover. But of course the story is that Willy Wonka, who was played in the movie so well by, by Gene Wilder, he launches this worldwide frenzy when he inserts five golden tickets into his chocolate bars. And each ticket gave the owner of that um, chocolate bar a chance to come to his chocolate factory and tour the place right, and have a lifetime supply of chocolate. And so five children find these tickets and they come to the factory for the tour and they're all different kinds of kids with all different kinds of personality. And one of those children, of course, is Charlie Bucket, who's a poor boy. He won the last ticket available. And there is this beautiful, beautiful scene at the very end. If you haven't seen it, you should go watch it or go visit the last scene again. But in the last scene, after the other kids have kind of disqualified themselves in different ways, either due to their greed or just not being very nice kids at all, Willie stoops down to Charlie and he says, how'd you like the chocolate factory, Charlie? Charlie says, I think it's the most wonderful place in the whole world. And Willie says, I'm very pleased to hear you say that because I'm giving it to you. Charlie and his grandfather are just dumbfounded, they're stunned. That's all right, isn't it? And, grand, and his grandfather says, you're giving, you're giving Charlie the, and before we can even finish, Willie says, I can't go on forever, and I don't even really want to try. So who can I trust to run the factory for me when I leave to take care of the Oompa Loompas? I can't trust a grown-up. A grown-up would want to do everything his own way, not mine. That's why I decided a long time ago that I had to find a child a very honest, loving child who I could tell all my most precious candy-making secrets to. And Charlie said, and that's why you sent out the golden tickets? That's right, Willie said. So the factory's yours, Charlie. You can move in immediately. And his grandfather says, and me? Absolutely. What about the rest of my family? The whole family. I want you to bring them all here. And Charlie, don't forget what happened to the man who suddenly got everything he always wanted. Charlie said, what happened? He lived happily ever after. It's beautiful, isn't it? And you see, that story points us to something that is even more true and even deeper. That when Jesus comes to us at Christmas, we are asked to embrace him like a child. To see him as who he is, what he has made possible for us, that we now can be a part of God's family and live in his family and in his kingdom for all eternity and we get everything. We are his heirs. Everything that Jesus has had, we have. We get more than a lifetime of chocolates and sweets. We get life with God. All of the deepest needs that we have are all satisfied in him. We get the life that God has wanted for us always. You know, when I think back about how our daughter Jane was born at just the right time, it felt wrong at first, and as time has borne out, it has been more than right. It is perfect. It is what God 
has wanted for us, what God has designed for us. It is God's purpose for our family and for our life. It was at just the right time. And it continues to bear out how that is true. And I want you to know as we leave today that when Jesus came to us, it was just at the right time. And when he comes into your life, however he's doing that now, whatever he's saying to you, however he's showing up, he is doing it at just the right time according to his plan and his purpose for your life. And as we go through those changes, perhaps you're considering them as we turn the calendar into the new year, as you go through those changes, as you consider what that means for you, we do it believing that we are his children and that his love for us will never, ever change and that he has given us everything, everything. And so let's move ahead into those changes, whatever they may be, knowing that he is leading us and guiding us and that he is working in us at just the right time. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that we can be simply reminded today that you have a plan for the world and we are a part of that plan. And Lord, we thank you that you sent your son at just the right time so that you could do for us what we could never do for ourselves, that you could redeem us, that you could make us like Jesus by doing all, Lord, that we could never dream of doing, by keeping your law, Lord, by, by just trusting you the way that Jesus trusted you as he followed you. Lord, as we think about the new year, and all that it will bring to us, the surprises, the plans. God, may we move into them knowing that we are loved by you. And from that place, knowing that we have been given everything, Lord, may we see you at work in just your way, at just the right time. May we trust you. May you lead us well. That's our prayer. Would you be with us now as we try to live as your children. It's in the name of Jesus we pray today. Amen.